morning and welcome to everyone to our United Methodist Church Westlake Village worship service for this Sunday, March 27th. This is the fourth Sunday of Lent. I hope you are having a good Lenten season. We're worshiping together uh, in person and online. That is how we will be doing it now for the, for the future. And you are welcome to enjoy uh, worship in your pajamas with some coffee, if you can pay attention. And you are invited to get up out of bed, out of your chair and couch, and come on down the church and, and be in person with us. Uh, some of us are wearing masks. Some of us are feeling comfortable without masks. We just ask that you respect each other's uh, health, safety, sensibility. Uh, we are uh, approaching Easter. Holy Week will be in, in a couple weeks, and uh, during that Passion Week, we will have a a Monday Thursday service that we're sharing down at Thousand Oaks United Methodist Church at 7 o'clock, and then the Good Friday service, which will be here on, uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday on on-campus here at Westlake Village. If you would like to support the Easter lilies for uh, Easter, $20.00. And we're happy to uh, scroll through a dedication list that will be brought up on the, on the screen here for you. We appreciate your generosity to make the sanctuary look uh, beautiful. And today, after worship service, is a uh, family gathering uh, party over gathering in front of uh, the youth building that the Family Ministry Education Department is, is running. It's a scavenger hunt that involves... Eggs, so it's not the Easter egg hunt that will actually happen on Easter, hence the Easter egg hunt title of it. Um, so today is not to be confused with that, but eggs are involved, and there's hunting, there's hunting involved, eggs and hunting involved, but it's a scavenger hunting, and it's not Easter. So uh, if you're at home and that sounds exciting to you, get out of bed, get out of that couch, get dressed and come on down. You've got about an hour or so, and then it's going to happen. If you're here, just stay put um, after worship and go over there and have some good fun. We're continuing with our Lenten sermon series on the characteristics of Jesus and why people are drawn to Jesus. Um, that's always a good question. You know, we might know in our own hearts what has uh, stimulated our attention uh, to Jesus, and perhaps we would even say our love of Jesus, why we follow Jesus. We're looking at a couple different characteristics for that. Now, maybe all of these apply to you, or maybe one of these characteristics are dominant for you. Um, it's interesting to think about what uh, feeds your discipleship of Christ Jesus. Here we are 20 centuries after he lived, died, and was resurrected. We've already looked at Jesus being one of us, how he is understood as human and divine. And we've, we've talked about Jesus in his role as a sage rabbi, as that preacher, teacher. And we've talked about Jesus as a miracle worker, as a, as a healer. All of these ways kind of inform my thinking about Jesus and get my attention. Maybe one of these ways is dominant for you. Today we're talking about how Jesus was a prophet and a world changer. And maybe that is what uh, gets you excited about Jesus. We'll see. Let us center ourselves, open our spirit to the presence of this Jesus miraculously 20 centuries later in our midst and in our lives, drawing us into worship of God. Please be family to one another. In truth, we are of one heart. 
You are brothers and sisters of a global family created by God. Be at peace. Learn to live with one another. Help each other thrive. Let us pray. Holy God, we pray for your presence and your strength. Be present here with us in this worship and strengthen us as we continue on our journey towards the cross, towards the tomb, towards the sunrise, the triumphant sunrise of Easter. Help us to look well within ourselves. Assist us with your spirit that we might experience in our worship, in our meditations, in our thoughtfulness, your presence and power, your wisdom and grace. We pray that you would help us move forward towards that life you envision for us. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Good morning, children. If I say good morning, then everyone responds. If I say good morning to the children, just the children respond. But as our call to worship said, we're all children of God and all part of the same family, right? So we can all respond when we say good morning, children. All right. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about prayer during our children's moment. Today, I want to turn a little bit. A few weeks ago, I told you there's usually three things that we focus on during the season of Lent. Prayer, giving, and simplifying. Adults usually use bigger words for it. Usually they use prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. But for us, for the kids, I like to use words that are a little bit easier for us. So it's prayer, giving, and simplifying, making things easier. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Well, if you think about it, you can tell me later. So today I want to talk about giving. What does it mean to give to God? I saw Lainey's hand first. To be kind, I like it. 
Does anyone else have a response to how you give to God? Mark? To treat others how you want to be treated. That's nice. Sarah? Nice. You can give love to others and show that you're grateful. Yes, my dear. Pray. That's a good one. Oh, my goodness. I don't need a lesson today. (laughs) But I, I do want to share a little bit about giving. Giving can be in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we think about it if we have money. So if we get money for our birthday or for an allowance, I heard that some kids in our church get money from the Tooth Fairy that's specifically dedicated to give to someone else. And so you can give out of what you have if you have money. But a lot of time, kids don't have a lot of money, right? (laughs) Says the pastor's kid like no one else. So... If you don't have a lot of money, there's a lot of other ways that you can give. And you guys talked about a lot of it. You talked about kindness. You talked about giving hugs. Maya did something big yesterday. She decided to donate her hair so that some other kids who might not have hair could have a wig. That is a form of giving. That. Yes, Christine. Feeding the homeless, that is an excellent form of giving. I actually know that your family also makes sure that, that some of the older people in our community get their food through Meals on Wheels, right? Yeah. That's another form of giving. Thank you for sharing that with us, Christine. There's lots of ways in which we can give to God. And I want to challenge you this week to think about what you might do to show God your love, to say thank you to God for all that God has given to you as an act of praise. So what might you do to give to the community to show God your love? That's your challenge this week. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the chance to give. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can head off to Sunday school. Come by here, Lord. Be with us. Hear our pleas. Hear our praises. And help us to see the ways in which you are guiding and directing us. We thank you for the various ways in which your spirit has already flowed through us and among us this morning, inviting us to see how we are brothers and sisters in a global community and challenging us to be the people of the church supporting one another, nurturing one another, giving to one another, and showing your love to one another. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, for the fact that he came to live among us, to share a life with us, to show us what it's like to be fully human and fully connected to you, fully divine. We thank you for the ways in which he has taught us how he has been our rabbi. We thank you for the opportunities to sit at his feet and to learn from him. We thank you for the miracles that he has performed in our life and in the world. 
While they may not be deemed miracles by today's society, they have transformed our life, giving us new hope, new opportunity. And whether we call them a miracle or not, the fact that you are present to us, shaping us, molding us, making us into your kingdom is a gift that we value beyond words. Help us to see the ways in which Jesus lives as a prophet, overturning tables, inviting the world to change, inviting us to change, inviting us to be change makers. Help us to see the ways in which you are drawing us into that activity, being your example to the world, being angels unaware to those who need it, and recognizing when someone might be an angel in our midst as well. Lord, this day we give you thanks for the ways in which you have moved among us and given us the opportunity to support our faith community. This week in particular, Lord, we ask you to be with the family and friends of those dear to our hearts that have lost loved ones. We lift up prayers for the McCain family as they have lost Esther this week. Be with them in their grieving and the celebrating of her long, vibrant life and the ways in which she has touched each of them. Be with them that they know your presence and they see your hand at work. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we lift up prayers for the Albertson-Sheehan family as they mourn the loss of Lynn this week. Be with Gary, Brian, Molly, Janie, Meg, Jill, and Mike as they mourn her passing, as they too celebrate the ways in which Lynn has created such a rich and vibrant family full of love, full of wisdom, full of hospitality that has been shown upon others through the love that their, her family shows. Be with them that they feel your presence and know your support. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join with Candy Wilcox lifting up prayers for her granddaughter, Alicia, as she, forgive me, I forget the timing as to whether or not she had surgery or is, oh, she had surgery on Wednesday, probably, um, for an infection in her foot. We ask that the surgery be healing and helpful and allow her to, to get to a place that, that that foot is healed again. Oh, Lord. Hear our prayers. We join with Karee Lewis in lifting up prayers for her college classmate's husband who was attacked by a pit bull this week. Be with, with him as he heals. We know that he is recovering now and we just ask you to let him feel your presence. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we don't just come to you with concerns, but we come to you with celebrations as well. We celebrate with Carissa Birmingham and family as her father had surgery this week for what they thought was kidney cancer to discover that the tumor was benign. The family celebrates and gives thanks for the ways in which you have been present to her. And we thank you, and to her father as well, and we thank you in the continued healing that her father needs post-surgery. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, you know the prayers that are on our hearts that we might not even have words for yet. But we come to you in silence with sighs and moans if they need to be as we lift up the things that are on our hearts this day. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we thank you for the community that you have created for us here, the safe harbor that has given us nurture, that has provided us with the resources that we need so that we can set course for a better life, seeking to build your kingdom and to be the people that you invite us and desire us to be. 
continue to help us to see the ways in which we celebrate all of our differences and yet how we are all alike at the same time. Help us to see the wide variety among us and see how in the midst of that variety we are your kingdom. We pray all of this saying the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I am the dream, I am the hope. What is my inner mystery? Is it the fire in my eyes, the smile from the sun, the grace of my style? I'm a woman. That's me. That's you. That's you. That's us. Phenomenally, we are phenomenal women. That's you. That's me. That's us. Great. Great. Great is her will. Much has she borne. She is a phenomenal woman because we rise. You rise. All of us rise. Maya Angelou, read her poetry. Still I rise, phenomenal women. Yet to be published, Jackson's poem of great is her will. Thank you, phenomenal women. We rise.
choir. So we look at some of these roles of ways by which Jesus has encountered us, presented himself, you might say, to us. And today we, we think about prophet, world changer. Now that shouldn't come as a surprise, that he was a prophet, that he was a world changer. His wisdom teaching consistently struck at the folly of conventional wisdom. His healings altered lives, revealed a power beyond ourselves. Now, when we think of prophet as one who prophesizes about things that are to occur down the line, well, then maybe we think of what is termed as Jesus's prophecies as, as perhaps a little bit more prophecies of the early church, words of the early church. Except where Jesus prophesied about the destruction of the temple. And as much as we struggle with understanding what parousia means, we think about Jesus coming again into our lives. He said he would. How is that happening? Yet when we think about a prophet as a critique of the status quo, calling for change, well, that is Jesus each day, all the time. Jesus challenged the, the social and the political status quo of the Roman Empire. He challenged the religious status quo of the 
prevailing Hebrew sects, he pointed beyond them both to a new kingdom and a new way of life. Jesus was a challenge to power from his birth to his death to his resurrection. And I invite you now to think along with me on on this. Luke's birth narrative has angels heralding his birth to shepherds. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those with whom God is well pleased. Now, if you were a good Roman, you would have said, hey, wait a second. That's the kind of stuff we we say about Caesar. What are you doing saying that about this baby in Bethlehem? Glory to Augustus Caesar, God in his highest, we good Romans call out. And on earth, peace to those with whom he is pleased. Yet here we have the angels of God on high saying those words, not about Caesar, but about a baby in Bethlehem. His angels announce a new and alternative ruler of this world, a change in governmental allegiances And it does get some people's attention. I'm thinking now of Herod, who picks up on this and says, now wait a second, that doesn't sound right to me. I'm the king of the Jews. And so Herod attempts to kill this interloper. You know the story of the slaughter of the innocents, a sad time that we talk about that follows the joy of Christmas. Herod apparently took it personally, thought there was something to it. Hmm, the rest of us say. During Jesus' lifetime, we see the, the sparring between him and Herod's family. Jesus, we're told, avoids Tiberias, the town of Tiberias along the Sea of Galilee, stays on the north as he comes around and stays out of Antipas's way. He refers to this ruler as the sly fox and challenges his authority. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, mocking Roman tradition and rule. Even Harvard's Hastings pudding couldn't have hit a more sarcastic note better than Jesus rising triumphantly into Jerusalem on a donkey. At his trial and death, Jesus got the full attention of Roman authorities in Jerusalem, being called Christ, Messiah, anointed king, political and and military hero. Note particularly the sharp exchange between Pontius Pilate in the Gospel of John. So you are the king of the Jews, says Pilate. And Jesus responds saying, well, you've said so. And then later he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, we're told that a better translation to that is, my kingdom is not from here. And to further drive what's trying to be distinguished here home, I'm going to turn to Bishop Willimon when he writes, it is a mistake to interpret Jesus as having said, my kingdom is out of this world. That's not what he's meaning. Something otherworldly, some kind of spiritual thing. Rather, Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not from here. Here, with all these royal trappings and raw power, Here, propped up 
as yours is by the sword and acting as if it were from God. My reign is not secured by the swords of Caesar's finest. My authority comes from elsewhere. Kind of got under the skin of those Roman authorities. On the cross as he dies, he stays true to who he is and what he means. And that should register with you. That should mean an awful lot to you. How Jesus goes about dying. He does not curse the Romans. He does not vow retribution from his disciples. He actually practices what we're told he preached. He asks God to forgive them. Now, can you picture this? I mean, can you really picture it? We try to each year during Passion Week, try to get under the skin of that and really feel what it's like and picture it, don't we? But can you hear the subversion of the ways of the world that Jesus is participating in here, in his life, and in his death. Jesus is, is testifying to his insight that God works differently than Caesar. That God's kingdom is different than the Roman Empire. The way to peace and life abundant is not through power and wealth and status and control, Jesus seems to say, but rather a spirit-filled character that is holy and compassionate in the living of one's ordinary days. We're currently studying a, an interesting book, After Jesus, Before Christianity, it's entitled, and it, it contrasts the, the Roman Empire with its Pax Romana through violence and God's kingdom with God's peace, which comes through love. Now, one of these two kingdoms brought oppression slavery, death, sorrow. And one of these kingdoms brought liberation, new birth, and joy. Which kingdom is God's? Which is Rome's? Jesus heralded a new creation and sought a new, what we nowadays call, new world order. Our scripture, our scripture for today is from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is challenging the way things are done. He's seeking a better way for all of us. I'm going to invite Katie now to share with us our scripture for today. This scripture is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, 
love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain to the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus is suggesting that we relate to one another from a holy place, from a a just perspective. And it's grounded in a different ethic, a different sense of what is right than typically the way the world seems to deal with one another. It leads into the the troubled areas of life with love and with grace. Where does Jesus come up with this kind of stuff? Where does this come from? Well, I'm guessing his religious training the power of his connection to God being the Son of God. Would you agree with me, children of God? His ministry and perspective is anchored in the central tenet of our faith. What he calls the the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no room for a competing love of Caesar here in this perspective of Jesus's. There's no room for a, what we might call self-centered hedonism where it's all about me and my pleasure in this view of Jesus. Above all, there really is no room for idolatry of any sort, really. And he shares this with his personal authority that is unrivaled in its declarative power. You have heard it said, but I say to you, Who can get away with that? Claiming authority such as this. To move from, we have always believed, to say, you know, but I say to you now, a new position, clearer insight perhaps. Jesus just does that with a plum, with a, with a verve. You've got to love that about him. I love that about him. The truthfulness that that took, the courage that that took, the authenticity to who he was in the face of whatever he was facing that that took.
it's, it's scandalous in some ways. It's subversive in other ways. And it is all that because it is destruct, disruptive of things, of patterns, of habits that have accumulated among us people. That people are accustomed to and expect this is the way, this is the way things happen. Jesus throws that all up into the air and, and he turns it on his head and he says, no, this is not how it should happen. These are mistakes, friends. This is not what we have intended for you, we, the divine love. Jesus sets in motion a movement that altered the world. Now, let's think back about it a little bit. We know that the calendar dating, well, that denotes something. That's always kind of fun, you know. Yeah, there it is, before Christ, after Christ, you know, after Dios. You know, this is kind of fun. It kind of makes you think that, well, something, something big happened there, and other people noticed it too. So um, maybe it's not just... Me. And then when you think about movements, about what we modern day people call influencers, how many hits they've had or something like that, right? Well, Jesus had 12 or maybe he had 72 that went out, right? And, and during his resurrection, he had 100 or so that uh, he appeared to, uh, one of the gospels say, right? Well, that, that 12 or 72 or whatever, you know, has grown to 2.1 billion or so disciples. That's a, a movement of some size, huh? And when you think about the creation of institutions, of, of things that were organized for the purpose of trying to do some good, not for trying to exploit, but trying to do some good, and maybe sometimes things didn't always work out well, but good God, are we not thankful for all these universities that are trying to bring enlightenment, for orphanages, for hospitals, and yes, for churches, all over the world, everywhere. And you and I can testify to the fact that individual lives have changed because of letting Jesus get through the crack in the heart. Improved lives, enlightened lives, healed lives, some would even say saved lives. Now, I know some people, we all know some people who think, well, that's no big deal, really. People, well, people are just as rotten as they used to be. For doing away with our sins, there still seems to be a lot of sin out there there, for Prince of Peace, well, you know what, violence and war are still pretty prominent, pretty prominent in the world. And I will say, I've been with a, a group of disciples studying and praying and working on scripture and other books in which these kind of dilemmas plague us. They're in the back of our thoughts in our conscience. And I will say I'm not one of those negative thinkers, but I try not to be a Pollyanna. I will say it this way. Jesus was a prophet, a world changer, unrivaled in human history. His ultimate Successfulness in this regard, though, resides in the sincerity and effectiveness of his followers. He's not a puppet master, he's a Lord and a Savior.
Jesus can point out the truth. We have to learn it. Jesus can show us the way. Uh, We have to walk it. Jesus' ultimate effectiveness in changing the world resides in the lives of his followers, his disciples. Marcus Borg writes, and just as Jesus' passion for the kingdom led him to oppose the imperial domination system, so his followers' passion, his followers' Passion for the Lordship of Christ, Borg writes, led them to defy the Lordship of Caesar. Is he right? Amen. He goes on, Jesus' passion was the kingdom of God. What life would be like on earth if God were king. And the rulers and the systems of the world were not king. It is the world that the prophets dreamed of, a world of distributive justice in which everybody has enough, in which war is no more, and in which nobody need be afraid. We all can dwell under our fig trees at peace. It is not simply a political dream, but it is God's dream, a dream that can be realized only by our being grounded ever more deeply each day, every occasion, in the God whose heart is love and justice. So what do we do about this kind of stuff of Jesus, right? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to make of it? What shall we do with Jesus? I give you Barabbas. I give you Jesus. I give you Caesar. I give you Jesus. What shall we do? Do we hear Jesus' claim upon our soul and follow? Do we hear that? Or do we look around and we kind of panic over the seriousness of these statements that he's making? Oh my God, love your enemy. Go a second mile. Deal with hate through love. And decide to compromise. Let's find a workable solution to this mess. Too often, we do the later, the latter. We, we compromise our way through life, don't we? Do you confess that? It's Lent, be honest. <laughs> Following the lessons and avoiding that one and thereby weaken the power and dilute the influence of Jesus upon ourselves and our society. Each day, though, each day we get the opportunity to try again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And do discipleship just a little bit better. To hear Jesus a little more clearly and follow Jesus a little more faithfully. I love that about Jesus. I love that Jesus doesn't force us to be anything, but rather shows us, invites us, supports us, enables us to become as we should be. You just got to love that about Jesus. So be perfect, therefore, 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. And if you think that's a pretty big ask, then just settle back into the arms of John Wesley and just go on to perfection. Get a little bit better each day for the sake of Jesus and your world. Amen. receive a personal invitation from our Lord and Savior to be in relationship with and to grow through his teachings and the ways in which he has worked to create change in our world. That's a lot to think about during this time of offering. How might we respond to that invitation and how might we give back in appreciation for all that God has given to us? We receive the gift of music as we contemplate this gift. Let us pray. Awesome and almighty God, receive the gifts that we have to give you in praise and appreciation for the ways in which you have transformed our life, created change in our lives and in the world, and how you invite us to join you in the act of building the kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.
We hope this service has been a blessing to you all. What kind of a life do you want for yourself and, and for your loved ones? And are you big enough to want that kind of life for your neighbors as well? When you're connected to God through Christ, you can and you will be empowered to make that true. Listen to God. Live out the vision. Let love lead. Be safe. Stay healthy. Know that you are loved. Amen.